You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants lost another game on Sunday, this time a really ugly game to the Dallas Cowboys, 44-20. to Injuries to Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, the ejection of Kadarius Toney after a brilliant performance by the rookie. Let's talk about all of it today. Ed Valentine of Big Blue View here, along with Emily Iannacone, to uh, to break it all down, give you some reactions. And how you doing, Em? I, you know, I'm still still recovering from yesterday's loss, but I'm doing okay, Ed. This this was no fun, and 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 we have to start with this. You and I <laughs> were foolish enough, foolish enough to pick the Giants to win this game. We were foolish enough to have faith. You're laughing because I re- I read your blurb. You're like mm-hmm. you're like this is a ridiculous thing to do, <laughs> and, and I wrote that I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And we both did it, and I'm like, man, are we going to sound foolish on Monday morning? <laughs> <laughs> I had meant to say that to you that for some reason we were both compelled to pick the Giants, and even when we podcasted last week. We both said there was really no reason the Giants should win this game yesterday. So I thought it was so funny that somehow we both were ever hopeful and still somehow thought a miracle would happen at AT AT&T Stadium yesterday. Well, here's the thing, Em. I keep wanting to be optimistic. I keep wanting to believe that the Giants under Joe Judge are pointed in the right direction. I, they were 6-10 and 10 last year, but better down the stretch. I felt like Joe Judge had a plan. I felt like Judge and Gettleman worked well together. I felt mm-hmm. like they had things moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I thought that the Giants handled the draft really, really well. I mean, you know, arguments about the Kadarius Tony pick, which is working out really, really well at mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. And we'll talk more about Tony later. But I felt like there were a lot of positive signs entering the season. Then the Giants start 0-3. Mm-hmm. And they win a game, and it finally looks like what we all thought it was supposed to look like in week four. Everything was working. Daniel Jones was terrific. Saquon Barkley was terrific. The defense made big stops. Tony was terrific. Galladay was terrific. And I just wanted to feel like like things were pointed in the right direction, like we saw what the Giants were supposed to be 
a week ago. And then we saw what we saw on Sunday. And now I'm like, I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. I feel like at this exact same time last week, we had agreed that finally it seemed like in the game against the Saints, it seemed like Gettleman's vision, Judge's vision, the, the vision of Giants fans who have been so, so patient for so long now, it feels like finally felt like it came together against the Saints and that all of the pieces just worked. And it's it's almost ironic how not only did they just not work yesterday, they broke. <laughs> like they just completely fell apart. I, you know, my my dad called me after the game and I was like, that was hard to swallow because it was just we weren't in it in the third and fourth quarter at all. Like we were just not paying, it wasn't even worth paying attention to, but it because of the injuries, it was just it was it reached a new level of of just of just kind of feeling a little less hopeful moving forward for the rest of the season because with these major major players out it's it's really hard it's not even like oh the players the giants have aren't performing it's like now they can't even perform well it's it's just so frustrating it's sort of like it, it's sort of like trying to drive a fancy new car down the road and you know, forgetting to put the wheels on it, mm-hmm. but it, it's just, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, the New York giants are 17 and 50 tied for with the New York jets for the worst record in football since 2017. You know, it finally felt like looks like on paper that the Giants have a collection of talent that should be pointing this team forward. It looks like Daniel Jones is turning a corner toward being a good quarterback. Like Mm -hmm. Andrew Thomas is turning a corner toward being a big time left tackle. It looks Mm -hmm. like Kadarius Toney is going to be a player. You know, Mm -hmm. Aziz Ojolari is doing a good job so Mm -hmm. far this season. He's made some plays and yet it's just like, no matter what, it seems like this franchise just can't, for whatever reason, get out of its own way and, and get pointed in the right direction. And you're right. Yesterday, everything broke. And I just, you know, Saquon Barkley broke again. Daniel Jones broke again. Kenny Galladay broke again. Mm-hmm. You know, Jabril Peppers and and... and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton and God knows who else are already broken. And then, you know, Kadarius Tony tried to break Devonte Kazee in half and, you know, and that just, it just, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, what else can go wrong? Mm-hmm. No, it, it's certainly starting to feel that way and not to, you know, just be too negative on this, on this Monday afternoon. But I think that even before, everyone went down even in the first and second quarters the only reason we were in that game is because Dallas was beating themselves is because somehow this team that had hardly any turnovers in the first four games of the season gave up two in the first quarter and we just happened to be kind of in the right place at the right time Lorenzo Carter had the pickup like it just we it just worked and somehow we were able to stop them in their own territory and get the ball back and it was lucky though and so we were only even in it 
in the beginning by strokes of luck. It wasn't anything sustainable that the Giants could repeat again and again as a winning formula week after week. And so then you get to the then you get to the Jones injury. Then you see Saquon's ankle balloon to the I can't even look at it. I watched it once and I can't look at it again. Like, and then that's when it really just started to fall apart. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the wasted opportunities and missed opportunities before we get into all of the injuries. And this seems to be a week after week after week thing. James Bradbury dropped an interception yesterday that that gave Dallas seven points. I mean, I, I wrote in the kudos and wet willies this morning. I actually totaled it up. James Bradbury, who's supposed to be the best player on the best unit that the Giants have, James mm-hmm. Bradbury was responsible for 18 Dallas points on Sunday. 18. Giving up the long touchdown pass to CeeDee Lamb, dropping an interception, and a defensive pass interference penalty that, although he protested, it was a clear pass interference penalty that allowed Dallas to get a touchdown instead of a field goal. So when you total it up, that's 18, you know, that's Dallas 26, James Bradbury 18, Giants 20. <laughs> and and it's just an, an example. How many interceptions have the Giants dropped? How many plays have their best players not made? How many times can they get a they get a break yesterday on a nice play by Lorenzo Carter? They get the mm-hmm. ball at the 50. They get zero points. Mm-hmm. They get another turnover. Granted, it was deep in their own territory on the on the, the fumble by Dak Prescott. They get zero points. And you cannot win football games when teams hand you opportunities and you make nothing of them. And, and the Giants seem to do this week after week. And I don't know if it's because the Giants don't because the Giants' good players or supposedly good players aren't that good. I, I don't know what it is. But I'll, the last thing I'll say before I, I, I let you, you know, offer your thoughts is James Bradbury, you know, stood in front of the media last night and he said, well, it starts with us just going back to work and getting back to practice and trying to clean things up and trying to get better. And what I want to say to James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson and Logan Ryan and and, and Darius Slayton for crying out loud is how about we start with catching the football when it's thrown to you? Right. right. And Evan Ingram, let's say it. Yes. Well. Yes. Evan Ingram. Of course. Always Evan Ingram. Oh. Devonte Booker yesterday dropped one too. He did. Yes, he did. He did. Everyone who could did. <laughs> Pretty like. much. Pretty much. It felt like, no, and you're right. You're right. We shot ourselves in the foot many times. We got lucky. You know, their tight end, Dalton Schultz, dropped a touchdown early that forced Dallas to settle for a field goal. And then you mentioned Prescott fumbled snap at the Giants' five-yard line. So that gave us back the ball, but we didn't do anything with it. And then um, even the one time we did get into field goal range, we had Graham Gano miss one. And he's now, after making – 37 straight, I believe it was. He's he's missed two in the past couple of weeks. And so it's just, it just feels like even the players, like a Graham Gano, like a James Bradbury last season, I, I would I would have said. I would have wanted James Bradbury on on anyone. I remember last season, the one game when Jack, James Bradbury couldn't play. And I felt felt like it impacted the entire game plan of of that game. It just it changed, it changed the entire secondary. And 
now he's just he just seems like a lesser version of what we saw last season. And and like I said about Gano, which it's just like these players that we really thought we could rely on are not are not stepping up. And that's okay sometimes. That's why you have, you know, a 52-man roster and that, you know, you're that's why you have depth. But as more and more players go down and we you know, Judge mentions this next man up mentality. The problem is there are no men left. Who's who's going to step up next? Like, I mean, give a shout out, shout out to like the John Rosses. Yes, Booker dropped something. But like, you know, he also had some, I thought, just like hard nose plays and, you know, to convert some first downs. But realistically, it's we're running out of people who can even step up. So that's what's even that's. What's frustrating when, you know, James Bradbury says we got to go look back at the film and we got to study, got to prepare this week. Judge says next man up mentality. And it's kind of like, well, <laughs> what is what does that even look like? I We can't even imagine what that looks like at this point. I don't know. What's your 40 time in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I ran in college. I'm not slow, but <laughs> it's definitely not fast. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe maybe you could have uh, maybe you could have gotten to C.D. Lamb before Julian mm-hmm. Love did Sunday. Mm-hmm. Really, <laughs> you know, really. we just we we have to move on from the you know from the missed opportunities and all of that. We have to talk about about these injuries and it 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 borders on ridiculous what's going on. I mean, you go back to you go back to training camp and you and you go back to all of that and you've lost. You know, you've lost Shane Lemieux for the season. Now you've lost Nick Gates for the season. You've lost Blake Martinez for the season. Yes. Darius Slayton's not playing. Sterling Shepard's not playing. Andrew Thomas didn't play. Jabril Peppers didn't play. And then the game happened. And, yeah. you know, the first thing is I saw somebody, I saw somebody try to tweet that Jordan Lewis stuck his foot under Saquon Barkley on purpose. And, oh, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Let's, let's just not go there. It was a freak thing that happened. It happened. It was really unfortunate. It was really ugly. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. It's like, as soon as I saw that ankle, it's like, it's like, I, I just, I thought, ah, oh, there's three games, you know, yeah. it's just, and it's like the 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 guy cannot catch a break. He fights his way back mm-hmm. from the torn ACL and the meniscus damage and the, whatever other damage there was to his mm-hmm. knee. And he finally starts to look like himself. And he mm-hmm. finally and the Giants finally start to really incorporate him into the passing game the yeah. way that they did against New Orleans. And then that happened. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know what to say. Is he injury prone? Is he, right. does he just have bad luck? I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I just shake my head and go, oh, not again. Right, right. I no, I think you need to start asking bigger questions. Unfortunately, in Barkley's Barkley's very short career, he's it's mostly been defined by injury, and I, I'm not saying he can control that. But it's no longer seeming like a pattern. I mean, I, there's players who who are injury prone. I mean, that and they reveal themselves in time, and maybe it's just like a larger running back issue. I think heading into this season with playing, you know, 17 games, I 
for sure thought that would shorten the lifespan of some running backs in the NFL who, I, who already kind of have a shorter lifespan as it is. And then last night, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went down. Like, I don't know if there's a larger pattern in general in the league, but at least for Barkley, it just it just feels like he he can't catch a break at all. You can see the frustration on his face on the sidelines. Um, now, now I believe he's he's week to week. I just it's it's frustrating, and I don't I don't know I don't know what you do about that. I don't I don't know if that's like something that you have to prepare for better in college. I don't know how how to improve that type of durability. But I mean, it felt like he was just coming into his own, especially against the Saints. He was starting to look like himself again. And and then this happened. I mean, I don't think anyone stepped on anyone's foot, but, you know, it just it's uh, ankles are tough. You, this happens one time. You're more you are more prone for it to happen again and again. And it just luck was just has just not been on his side for, for his very brief career so far. And, and it calls into into question two things. Em, and, and we go back to 2018. We go back to the wisdom of drafting Saquon Barkley, number two overall. And and I have said at Big Blue View many, many times, Saquon Barkley is a wonderful, wonderful player when he's right. He's a terrific representative of the New York Giants franchise. But when you're three and thirteen in 2017, when you're starting over, when you're trying to rebuild a franchise, rebuild a team. A running back with the second overall pick is not the right way to do that for the simple reason that by the time that running back is ready for a second contract, basically what's going to happen is that running back's prime is going to be spent playing for a bad football team. And, and it's just not going to be the, the, the most ideal way to, to rebuild a franchise. And, and, and I think we're kind of seeing that play out. And the other thing it calls into question is this is Saquon Barkley's fourth year. The giants have, uh, have picked up his option, you know, for a fifth season already, but it calls into question once again, as much as John Merrill wants to, can you give Saquon Barkley a big, long-term big money second contract or do you have to you know a year from now do you you have to cut your losses and 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 move on and it's you know it it's just it's quote unquote just an ankle sprain this time but it's three years in a row right right and ultimately you have to start asking yourself when when enough is enough I I believe that Barkley is really, really trying. I absolutely believe he wants to be on the field. But I, I think if you're the Giants, you have to start asking yourself some some hard questions because this is just – in the NFL, you need reliability. I, I mean, look, the Giants really built themselves for 16 seasons around Eli Manning, who just never missed a game, ever. And now that, that, just, that has not been the case with most of their key players. And – they're finding, especially when it comes to running backs, who I it just feels increasingly like should not be taken in the first round ever. It, it just it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's a good investment long term. They're you know they're they're finding that it, it it didn't really work for them that their investment probably in the offensive line would have been a lot better. If, you know 
That way we can start one person at left guard instead of five in five weeks. Like it just, it just seems like that would have been um, a better choice by them. Obviously it can't be a Monday morning quarterback, even though we're talking on Monday, but we can, Em, but we, we can, isn't that, but, but it's, but it's kind of, it's kind of pointless. It's not going to help anything. It might make us feel better and hopefully it'll make some of our listeners feel better. (laughs) Right. Right. I, and I just think that, it's, I think that once maybe you realize you've made a mistake, if you're Dave Gettleman and if you're the Giants, and, and at the time we, you know, it wasn't obvious that Bar- that drafting Barkley was a mistake, but maybe once you realize that it's not working, you have to try to do the next right thing. And the next right thing is to find someone that the Giants can rely on in the backfield. I mean, even Dallas, they, as we saw yesterday, they've got Zeke, of course, and then they've got Tony Pollard. At one point, Zeke kind of limped off the sideline, like it looked like, looked like he might be hurt. And I wasn't even comforted. I, you know, I never wish injuries upon anyone, but I didn't even feel a sense of comfort because I was like, well, now Tony Pollard's coming in. Like, that's really not any easier. And the Giants do not have that. They do not have that sense of, you know, reliability that someone can step up and, and make some big plays. And I, I just think it's definitely time for them to start exploring some other options. I would agree. And you mentioned Eli Manning. And of course that we have to talk about what happened to Daniel Jones mm-hmm. and what happened to Daniel Jones yesterday was really, really scary to see anyone stand up and lurch the way that he did and have to basically be grabbed by a Dallas player so that he could stand up and be helped off the field. I mean, you, you messaged me and and you used the word terrifying, you know, last night and, and absolutely it's terrifying. So, I mean, I mean, you just, you, you just shake your head. It's, it's really, really scary when you see something like that happen. No, it, it absolutely is. And it really, it brings perspective immediately to the game. You know, we always know as fans watching, as players playing, as coaches coaching, that this is a very, very real reality. But you you kind of try to just watch the game. You know, we know there's targeting rules now. We hope that things are more, um, just more contained as far as helmet to helmet hits. But it, it, it's impossible to eliminate. And we, and we saw that yesterday with with Jones. It's, it's, that's another one I watched once and didn't watch again. Fox felt the need to show it a hundred times. I understand it. I didn't feel the need to watch it that many times because it was, it was really, it really was terrifying. I mean, that's, that's the last thing you want to see. And Jones is, we, we know he can run and that's what he was doing. It was, he, you know, he was running to the left and they hadn't, they weren't able to get this touchdown. They were, inches if not a yard away from the end zone and could not score so yes give it to jones who often leads our leads the stats in rushing but it just it just completely backfired and i think the giants are now learning firsthand the negatives to having a more dual threat quarterback who's someone who's going to move around in the pocket i mean jones is jones has shown this aggressiveness he doesn't necessarily protect himself when he goes for these plays which you can admire, but that's not a great long-term solution at all. And I'm and I'm not blaming him. Of course, he didn't he didn't intend for this to happen. I just think that this is ultimately what's going to happen if you move around a lot and players are just trying to make tackles and avoid a touchdown from happening. Like that's all Jabril Cox was trying to do yesterday. And it was just it was jarring too coming almost a year after 
Dak Prescott left the Giants game in week five and, and then was out for the rest of the season. Obviously, very, very different injuries, at least apparently so. But it was just it was just bizarre to see that happen and and the timing of it. And then Jones and then Jones is out and in the locker room. It was just very bizarre. It was. And, and there's a couple things that I need to say. I mean, I saw. During the, you know, during the last couple of weeks, I've seen calls for Jason Garrett to use Daniel Jones even more in the run game. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday after he gets hurt, there's all kinds of calls all over Twitter saying Garrett should be fired from running Daniel Jones like that. And what's he think is going to happen? And here's the thing. The Giants, especially with Barkley hurt last year, especially with Barkley hurt again, you know, in this game. The Giants have shown they're a better football team when they're able to incorporate Daniel Jones into the running game. Mm -hmm. But what happened on Sunday is absolutely the danger of what happens when you expose your quarterback as a runner. Now, Daniel Jones is very fast. He's very athletic. But what Daniel Jones is not is he's not Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or one of those mm -hmm elusive quarterbacks he's just a big fast athlete and he's also an aggressive one it was fun to watch him run over Grady Jarrett who's a 350 pound defensive tackle two weeks ago but this is the flip side of what happens when you make a quarterback a runner and you and I don't blame the Giants for doing this this I have no problem with this play call they banged it inside twice and it didn't work <clears throat> They ran Daniel Jones, who is their fastest guy on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I won't blame Jones either. He lowered his head to try to make a play, to try to physically get that half a yard that he needed. Mm -hmm. And it just turned out badly. It was, you know, it wasn't Jabril Cox's fault that there was helmet to helmet contact. If anybody, it was Daniel Jones's fault that there was helmet to helmet contact because he's the one who led with his head. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know, the thing of it is, this is what happens when your quarterback is a primary runner in your offense. And when he's not Kyler Murray, who has this, this amazing ability as a pint sized guy, not to let anybody hit him. Daniel Jones mm -hmm. doesn't have that ability. And what it calls into question for me, we talked a little bit about Barkley. Now the Giants are building an offense or trying to build an offense around Saquon Barkley and around Daniel Jones and around Kenny Galladay, who seem who can't seem to walk across the street without getting hurt these days. But, you know, Galladay's had what? He's had a hamstring and a hip and a groin and now a knee. And it's week five and he missed – Sorry. You know, double double digit games last year with a hip yeah. injury, and that's scary. But but mm -hmm. back to Jones, the, you mentioned Eli Manning. This is now three years in a row with Daniel mm -hmm. Jones that he has suffered injuries that have caused him to miss games. And you know, Daniel Jones is beginning to play like a like a franchise quarterback. He's begun to play like a top half of the league NFL quarterback. But again, you have to be on the field. 
you know, you have to be on the field, and this is three years in a row now that's going to be, that Daniel Jones is going to be impacted by injuries. Yeah. And, and you wonder about the viability, and you wonder about the long-term sustainability of of Daniel Jones at this point because he because it this is you know it's year after year with this. Absolutely, it's exactly what we were just saying with Saquon too. It, it, eventually, it's it's not just coincidence. It's you know it becomes a little bit of a pattern. Of course, yesterday no one wants to get hit in the head. Of course, but it, you can't you can't deny like you said this is the third straight season that he'll he'll miss time. And it's just, you can't, you can't build an offense around inconsistency. The, the, the Giants have been trying. The offensive line has done the best it can, especially. But you, you can't have long-term success that way. And I think, I think you're right that it makes sense. The call makes sense. Having Jones run the ball, on that, I think, on that play absolutely makes sense. He's become one of the more reliable runners, you know, for, for the Giants. But I I think then you have to go back to the larger offensive picture for the Giants. Why is Jones the only one who can make that play? Why can't Barkley get a yard? Why can't Booker get a yard without like Fox missing it and them just sneaking the yard? Like that was the strangest thing too, that we couldn't even see Booker get that touchdown because the Giants had to sneakily do it when the Cowboys weren't ready. And that's how they scored. And then and then Joe Buck was calling for them to disallow the play and do it over because TV missed it. Like, right. Joe, I, who cares? Fox doesn't it doesn't work that way. It just <laughs> it just does not, it doesn't work that way. I but that's that's also that's part of the problem. That's why Jones is running that ball, is because we can't we can't convert that play. And and so that's that's a larger offensive problem that we don't have anyone. We can't run a screen. We can't run a route. We can't go to the corner. We don't have anyone who can convert on inches. I knew as soon as Tony made that play, because that was when Jones converted the long pass to Tony to set them up at like the two. I knew as soon as Tony didn't get into the end zone, we were going to have a problem. And why, why should I assume we have a problem when we're on the two yard line and we have three tries before having to kick a field goal? Like we should, we should be able to get a couple of yards and maybe, I don't need to worry about it. Maybe because we're on the second running back, a guy who I still watch and still don't understand why the Giants were in such a hurry to sign him. And maybe because we're on about the 800th version of the offensive line that the Giants have used already this year. And I'm not even sure I know the names of the guys they're no. trying to play out there. No. And, and, you know, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And, and, you know, it's obviously not the way the Giants drew it up. It's obviously not the team that the Giants expected to be. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's sad in a way because yeah. this is just not what we were anticipating from the Giants. And as you said, with these injuries, once again, you know, they've committed a lot of money to Kenny Galladay. Um, Sterling Shepard over the years has proven to be a guy who rarely makes it through a 16 game season. Yeah. And, and you're, you're trying to build an offense. Now you're trying to build a franchise around two players who consistently show you that they can't get on the field yeah. and, and, or can't stay on the field. And that's just, that's, that's problematic because it leaves you with the decision of, you know, where do you go from here? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, the more you talk about it, the more it's it's an overwhelming 
pattern on the offense that that there's there's these players who can't stay on the field. Obviously, there's defensive issues too, like with Blake Martinez and and other key key players not being able to play. But no, it it is. It's in. I, I, I mean, especially with someone like Galladay, who the Giants invest a lot of money in during free agency this past offseason, that that feels avoidable. I, I mean, obviously, we don't know. It's only been five games. But I think if you're the Giants, you have to see that have consistency in having players stay on the field has to now be the top priority. Because at least with consistency, at least when you do something one time, two times, three times, usually you can start to get better. Even if you're not good, you can usually start to improve if you have the same players on the field, if you can run the plays with the same people and develop a rhythm. And the Giants just have have not been able to do that. And I think if you're, if you're Gettleman, your judge, whoever you are, you have to start to try to physically and tangibly create this intangible quality of consistency. Like you've got to create um, an environment in which the players can actually just show up and be on the field week after week. Well, durability obviously matters. They always said with Eli Manning, you know, the best availability, the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And this was part of the gamble that the Giants took with a lot of the moves that they made. And it was understandable in a way because mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay was the best wide receiver on the market. Yeah. And the Giants had to have help for Daniel Jones. But you're getting, you, but but the injury history that that Galladay showed you a year ago, you're getting, you're seeing that again, and you're seeing it with Sterling Shepard as you've seen for years, and you know you're you're just seeing the the patterns have been established, and you're right, you can never guarantee health, but past history tends to show you, you know, guys who guys who get hurt get hurt again. Right. Past history can, you know, just tends to show you that. And, and unfortunately it's what we're seeing. And when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And let's, let's talk about a couple of other things quickly. You, you mentioned the defense and that there are quote unquote problems on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think you can sum it up this way. Can't defend the run, can't tackle, can't cover. Yeah. And I think those are the three things that defenses are supposed to be able to do. So I think that pretty much, pretty much sums it up. Can't do anything that a defense is supposed to do. Right. Right. I know. Absolutely. They, Dallas absolutely dominated. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Can't rush the passer either. Can't, can't rush the passer. It's, it's really sad. I, 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 I don't, I mean, 
I'm not I'm not sure with with Patrick Graham, but I I just they were so exciting to watch last season this unit, and then you know Zeke had 110 yards yesterday. Tony Pollard had I think another 75. Giants have given up 371 yards on 78 carries over the past two weeks. That's just the run game. And we know that they allow explosive plays. We know with, you know, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, we know that this is a really elite offense, too. I I, I didn't expect us to dominate this offense. No, but, but you expect that defense to, to be competitive. And it just – it's sad, and it makes you shake your head when, you know, you're – you manage somehow to fight your way back from 10-0 down when you shouldn't have even been that close. You manage to fight your way back to a tie game, and the defense basically steps aside and lets Dallas go down the field for a touchdown right before half to pretty much kill everything that, that the offense had done to try to get back in the game. Right, right. I think there's a reason that – myself and and probably many Giants fans just once it came to the third and fourth quarters yesterday didn't even feel the need to watch I mean the Cowboys sealed the game with the by going down the field for 98 yards after a Giants turnover early in the fourth quarter I it just it was dominant I we didn't even we didn't even contain them it just felt like it reminded me of last season's Washington Eagles game in the final week of the season when they when you know when Eagles have a backup quarterback in and it's just it just was like what are we playing for? It felt like it were it was two teams who was just like who's going to drop the ball, who's going to catch it. It just it felt like mistakes were inevitable and it felt that way again yesterday. It it just there was no containing happening whatsoever on on either on either side of the ball. But it was you couldn't really fault the offense at that point. You had backup quarterback Mike Lennon in. You you just had a skeleton of the offense really. So that was expected. It just was the defense had also just clearly thrown in the towel. It was just, it just became, okay, 10 unanswered points. Okay. Another field goal. It just, it got out of hand very quickly. It did. And I have to, we have to talk about Kadarius Tony before we, before we call it a day, but I have to say this, you mentioned Mike Glennon and (laughs) Mike Glennon did what a backup quarterback you know, is, is generally capable of doing, he played okay. He threw a pick mm-hmm. six, you know, big deal. He threw a pick six pretty much when the game was already over, right. you know, throw the ball out there, try to make a play, whatever. But I have to say this. I look at Mike Glennon in a football helmet. And I think Mike Glennon has the weirdest shaped head of a human being that I've ever seen. <laughs> and you have no comment. <laughs> no, I think the fact that your attention <coughs> diverted to that illustrates just how poor the actual performance in the game was. That you were able to focus on wow, that just doesn't that look strange on his head. I that makes sense to me. That really does make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, maybe it says a lot about me too. <laughs> Anyway, well, let's talk about Kadarius Tony for a minute. Mm-hmm. On the on the 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 good side, finally, the last two weeks, we've seen what Dave Gettleman was telling us, what Chris Pettit was telling us, what mm-hmm. Joe Judge has been saying, what his teammates have been saying. 
why the Giants were comfortable drafting him at number 20. We've finally seen it. This guy, when you get the ball in his hands, he can make NFL defensive backs look silly. NFL defenders are not supposed to land on the ground grasping at air the way that Kadarius Tony makes them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it, it's incredible to watch. I love the toughness. I mean, he he can obviously, you know, make plays down the field. He he can make contested catches. He's got you know, he's got the toughness to not only make guys miss, but he doesn't step out of bounds. He mm-hmm. sticks his head in there and he'll try to push for an extra yard or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to love the competitiveness. You have to love the athletic ability. You have to love all of that. Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't forgive the punch at the end of the game. I just can't. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the – there were questions about Kadarius Tony's maturity coming out of college. And, and, and it just showed me that, you know, I think a lot of what we've seen with Kadarius Tony with some of what's taken so long for him, I think there's, there has to be a certain acknowledgement that some of the maturity concerns about him were correct. And, and I just, I cross my fingers that that he understands that yesterday can't happen again and and that that he matures you know into a guy that the giants can trust it bothered me for months going way back to the spring way back in the spring giants coaches were talking about he has to earn our trust he has to earn our confidence which tells you that they had questions too about his work habits, about whatever, about about his ability to be a pro. Mm-hmm. And and we saw yesterday that that as brilliant as he is, yeah. there is that other side that still that 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 has to that has to mature and and that that will be a cause for concern. I mean, I don't know what what were your thoughts on on Tony um, you know, both on the field and uh, and with what happened at the end of the game. Yeah, I I think Tony was electric yesterday. Probably the only part of the offense that was definitely the only part of the offense that that actually that actually was. He embodied an aggressiveness and a desire to win that we. It just feels like we haven't seen. But like you said, with sticking his neck out, with really trying for the extra yard, he has a unique ability to make defenders miss. He is fun to watch. And and when he has the ball, it feels like we can we can maybe make something happen, which is which feels rare these days. But at the same time, I think he completely I think he absolutely embodied how how he was defined entering the draft and then also at you know, coming out of the draft after the Giants selected him. It was a pick that worried me from the very, very beginning. And it it shocked me. It shocked me because I think that the Giants have a long and storied history of picking players with some behavioral issues. And I remember reading, you know, the athletics draft guide and Tony is also known for his rap career at the same time. And there's these weird other off the field concerns. And I kind of just tried to ignore it and tried to go with it. Obviously coming out of the draft, 
players are young. They do have to mature on and off the field. I And I think that's okay. I think that they can be given that time and that leeway and the space to mature. But he needs to realize that on an, on an offense in which so many receivers are hurt, you have Sterling, you have Slayton, now you have Galladay. He's, he's it. You know, and, and that for him, that's a big career opportunity. That's big for the Giants. There's a lot of a lot of reasons he should take advantage of that and be very, very aware of that and not ruin it for himself by punching a guy. You know, I but it's tough because I also think part of why he's great is because he's so explosive and because he cares. And we just saw that embodied in a different way when he was punching people in the fourth quarter. And but you know, in the first quarter, we saw it in terms of an exciting catch. It's just we saw it come out in very different ways. And I I really think only time will tell which is going to dominate. Is he going to be able to kind of contain that fire and harness it into just making explosive catches? Or is it is it going to hurt him from time to time? We, we've been down this road before, Em, not that long ago, with a very explosive but very, very temperamental wide receiver Mm-hmm. And, and we know mm-hmm. how that ended. And, mm-hmm. and, and I have my fingers crossed that this one turns out differently because, because he's a special, he's, he's obviously what we've seen the last two weeks. He's special. There's no question about it. He's special when you put the ball in his hands mm-hmm. and, and, and you need that if you're going to eventually somehow, some way, someday, sometime before I die, maybe be mm-hmm. a good, a good offensive team. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. Truly. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Em, thank you very, very much, you know, for, for spending some time and, and for, uh, for, for offering your, your thoughts on the latest Giants debacle. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember, take care of each other out there. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.